Hello and welcome to the Dobcast. I'm Erica Stacey. Influencer marketing is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but many brands and marketers are unsure how to incorporate it into their marketing or even where to start. So in this episode, I'm chatting with Natalie Giddings, Managing Director of Influencer Marketing Specialists, The Remarkables Group. In this episode, we discuss the benefits of working with influencers, the different ways brands can work with influencers, managing expectations of influencer marketing, tips for working with influencers directly, and more. Always ahead of the curve, Natalie was also the first social media strategist in Australia's first dedicated social media business, Think Tank Social. In addition, Natalie shares what she is learning at the moment and her top tip to help you be prepared to do your best online. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dobcast. How are you? I'm wonderful, Erica. I've been listening for some time, so I'm very excited to join you. And you are a new podcaster as well, aren't you? I started listening to your Remarkables Pets podcast uh, recently. Yes, a bit of a side project that we have going on. We have a a pet influencer business and have for some time and just as a matter of course decided to start a a podcast because it is a a favourite topic of not just mine but Australia. So, yeah, just experimenting with that at the moment. Yeah, that's been lots of fun. I'll include the link to that in the show notes if anybody who's listening is keen to get a new like furry podcast recommendation. Um, yeah, nice yeah, segue so, from marketing to pets. Yeah, yeah <laughs> any excuse to talk about something else sometimes. No, no, no. It's all fun for us. So yeah, really excited to chat to you about influencer marketing today. And also it's quite exciting to speak to you because I've known you for about seven or eight years online, but this is actually the first time we've spoken. I know how bizarre. I feel like I, I know a lot about you and your interests and your family because I you know followed you on Twitter. I think it was back in 2010 you joined. You were part yes. of the original crew. Yep. Early days. Uh, yeah, on, on Twitter. I was obsessed with Twitter then. Not so much anymore. I still tap in daily as I think you definitely do too. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, and I think your and my conversation on Twitter is now definitely about what uh, TV show recommendations we have. <laughs> so, <laughs> if anybody's interested in a you know British uh, who British does and crime the crime drama, then check out yeah. Natalie and my t- Twitter thread. <laughs> yes, a great actually some great recommendations there. We need to talk about that offline. <laughs> anyway, we are not here to talk about. <laughs> about um, our, our Twitter history today. We are here to chat about you and influencer marketing and what you do at the Remarkables Group. So could you give us a quick rundown of your story and how you got to be where you are doing what you're doing with the Remarkables Group today? Absolutely. So a bit like yourself, Erica, specialised in digital marketing, yeah, since about 2009. Incredibly passionate about that space, but of course it's moved at, at lightning speed and, and very quickly uh, we were doing, I was doing a lot of social media content marketing uh, and then decided to specialise in that uh, ooh, about five or six years ago, uh, joined an agency that was dedicated to, to, to social media. But uh, very quickly in my time there, influences became, you know, it grew faster than say paid social media on Facebook and Instagram was growing. Um, indeed, by the time I finished up there, it was about one third of our activity. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, one of our key suppliers at that time 
was the remarkable. So they were you know, excellent crew, excellent team. They'd, they'd pioneered influencer marketing um, in 2012, becoming the first talent agency for bloggers in Australia. And we did a great number of wonderful campaigns with them. Um, and the original founder, Lorraine Murphy, decided uh, at the end of 2012 to change the model. You know, just being a pure talent agent wasn't really servicing clients. There was, you know, much more scope to be able to do a lot of creative thinking and planning in this area. Um, And so she resigned the talent at 2000 in 2017 at the end and approached me to, to come on as a partner in the business, which was quite phenomenal because I had seen that growth. Uh, and so now I think it's almost two and a two, two years, two and a bit years since that transformation. And that was really, really meaty for me because um, I, I love working quite intimately with uh, businesses, mostly in the sort of the banking and the retail space. Um, I'm actually based in Melbourne. A lot of the big retailers are in Melbourne um, and influencer marketing is a you know really key component of a number of their marketing plans now. So it was just a natural you know, really natural transition um, for me to sort of each time I specialised, the depth of knowledge required to be able to do a great job grew. Um, and so, yeah, specialising in influencer marketing strategy and also we do, all, you know, all the implementation and so forth. So that's kind of remarkable in a nutshell, really. Yeah, fantastic. That's really exciting. Like you say, that that progression of your career as well from being one of the really early adopters in social media to now working in, you know, one of these really exciting specialist areas of social media must have been quite a fun transition. Well, it's a lot of it when you you first start in any of those topics is test and learning, like tweaking it, um, putting something out there and seeing if it works. And then recalibrating it or optimizing it depending on what you know depending on what did work you don't necessarily have a a, you know a great amount of case studies to be able to fall back on it's really test and learn um i think that's that's why i've ended up where i am quite naturally because now i'm sort of two years down the track in this specialization we've done a large number of programs that we've learned a lot from but that wasn't necessarily a pathway for that beforehand yeah, no, definitely forging ahead. So um, as you said, the concept of using social media influencers isn't entirely new and you were, you were doing that work um, with the agency prior to joining the, the Remarkables group. But it's still a very, I guess, new and growing and rapidly changing area for a lot of marketers and brands. So just to make sure everyone's on the same page as what we are, could you give us an overview of what an influencer is and some of the ways that they can work with brands? Absolutely. Influencers, I mean, they're quite unique even in the Australian market. Influencers are really anyone who's been able to grow an influence or an audience. Originally, that was very much blog-based. So you remember your bloggers? Yes. (laughs) You blog a lot, don't you, Erica? I do, Um, I do, yeah. yeah. Lots of hopefully useful articles on the blog if anyone wants to check them out. Exactly. And so, um, you know, building an audience and credibility in a space from being a dedicated specialist on something. Um, And it just so happened that channels like, you know, it was really Facebook and YouTube exploded it. Uh, in earlier uh, and later on it very much sort of Instagram Twitter not so much in Australia apart from you know maybe marketing specialists like us or journalists or it's definitely big with television and live sport as well but um, you know Instagram is is 
Instagram is still very much the channel right now and, and YouTube is ever present in the background. So anyone who's built an audience on a particular topic or um, style of content, what brands will do is tap into those audiences if it if it makes sense. So, you know, a, a retail brand, you know, might be looking to expand um, their audience on a particular product. They'll go and find people that use and love that product um, and pay or exchange uh, product for uh, a recommendation. So it's become hugely prevalent. And it, like you said, it's not new, but it's kind of new. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because of the expansion of the pure size of those audiences, you know, for, for um, you know, bloggers in the beginning, sort of uh, anything that was sort of 10,000 hits per month was huge, huge. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the, the scale of some of these Instagrammers and YouTubers um, and Facebook audiences, uh, we're talking upwards of 100,000 people, 200,000 people, you know, some of the big beauty um, YouTubers in Australia are upwards of 700,000 people now. Um, so they're, what, that's more than 10 times larger than, say, Vogue magazine. Yeah, wow, that's phenomenal when you put those numbers alongside that type of distribution model, which we would typically look to as being a like, pinnacle or beacon in a particular industry. Wow. Yes. And of course, to go out to that many people, a lot of care needs to be taken. Whereas I think previously it was very much a, a spray and pray model. Mm -hmm. um, let's get our product out to a, a, you know, a couple of hundred people. A few of them will post about it and that's a great job. It's like, well, if we're going out to a much larger audience, shouldn't be shouldn't we be much more strategic about what we're doing and get some learnings and then reapply those and, and, and which channel is actually right for us and, and that type of thing. Yeah, wonderful. So as you say, the Remarkables group do focus more on the overall strategy and planning side now as opposed to being a pure talent agency and kind of a two-pronged approach to that. I've heard you speak before about the recommendation that you make regarding developing long-term relationships with influencers as opposed to that campaign approach. So can you give us some thoughts on that long-term relationship versus campaign approach and potentially some of the strategic um, aspects that you work through with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So we, not to dehumanise it, because uh, I really love the terminology of human media for influencers. Um, but influencers are, are, are really and, and should be treated very similar to any other uh, media uh, channel or, you know, in your marketing mix. So the way that campaigns work, quite often it takes an enormous amount of energy uh, to get a campaign live that might be up sort of six to eight weeks, maybe longer. Um, it takes the same amount of energy to get a campaign like that live as it does to get a six or 12 month program live. And, and marketing science um, proves that campaigns have very little visibility in the long term, I guess, saliency of your brand. So we're really coming from a marketing science perspective in that these channels should be treated as importantly as any other channel. So that's kind of my philosophy. It doesn't mean that every influencer that you work with has to be a long-term partner. That's, that's, uh, that's definitely not the case. It might be that you flight with a number of um, partners, brand partners, 
uh, and see which performs better, you know, what has the biggest impact on um, ROI or has the biggest impact on, um, you know, your messaging and that type of thing. And you might um, drill that team down and, and maybe put those on a longer term plan. You know, obviously it depends on your budget and maximising the channels and the numbers based on what's working, but that's exactly where strategy comes into. Um, but, yeah, longer term, there's definitely other benefits given that the audience believes it more. So a once-off mention, which is still, you know, it's still very popular type model for some reason now, a once-off mention going to have a very little impact on um, recall for the audience, um, but it's also going to have a very little impact on believability from the audience. If, if this is a, a one-night stand product that I, I've never seen you mentioned before and suddenly you're talking about it and it disappears very quickly, how much of a recommendation is that? So is this where we're getting into that space or that difference between celebrity and influencer where a celebrity may be more aligned or open to or have more success with making a once-off mention as opposed to building a long-term relationship with someone who clearly has influence in a particular topic with their very specific community? Yes. Look, it's not to say that celebrities don't have influence because a number of them do. You know, it's got to be assessed earnestly just like any other opportunity. I guess with the difference we see with celebrities, and look, it's very it's very broad brush comment here um, because there's definitely celebrities that have built influence so they have specialized in in topics and interests over a period of time and so they do have authority to speak credibly on a topic but you know that it's it can be challenging for some other celebrities that might be just the talent they're used to just turning up being filmed uh, and then they return home whereas an influencer tends to have the capacity to create the story the scripting um, he or she might do the editing they've set up the shoot um, you know they're doing the writing they're communicating with their audience that tends to be the difference so it's not to say that a celebrity can't build influence but you know there's a, obviously a, a large number of skills that need to be built in order to build a, an online community uh, with regular communication that's believable a lot of jargon. I feel like I've used a lot of jargon, but basically, yeah, there's a, they can transition uh, and do a really great job. And there's a few of them that have done a terrific job, just like any other media personality, I guess. But yeah, there, there is often a difference and the results can be mixed and confusing um, for brands. And uh, it's about really assessing what's a great fit. There's so many great celebrity partnerships that are a terrific fit. Um, and I wouldn't want to belittle them at all. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. It's just, like I said, it's still it's one of these spaces where there tends to be a bit of confusion around it because it feels like people are finding their feet. And for those of us who work in marketing but not don't specialise in influencer marketing, there's bits and pieces that we hear about, you know, celebrities versus influencers, um, micro-influencers versus macro-influencers and all of these. Yeah, yeah. One example I think is terrific for talking about it. So I guess a really traditional celebrity uh, there's a couple of great examples in this space, but uh, are you a football fan, Erica? Uh, a little bit. No, not really. I thought being from Adelaide, you'd be mad because uh, my husband's from Adelaide and it's all mad football fan. Anyway, oh, my, my um, definitely a mad football fan, so I'm kind of a... <laughs> 
reluctant wingman. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's lots of footballers' wives that get a bit of a platform, but there's definitely a couple, particularly based in Melbourne, because I'm AFL, so I don't really know much about the other codes. I pretend to. Um, Say Rebecca Judd. You know, Rebecca Judd married a famous footballer, very famous footballer, beloved footballer, and could have just been known for that. Uh, I think the very derogatory term is called wag. I I would never use that term. But, you know, she actually has worked incredibly hard. Just a disclosure, I've never worked with her, by the way, and uh, there's there's no connection. But she's worked very, very hard to establish credibility, particularly in the home interior space. Um, And so she's, you know, it's not just overnight that she's endorsing some Duna covers. She has genuinely written, produced, created content in that particular influence for I I think sort of six or seven years now um, around her family and so her partnership with a particular homeware store makes perfect sense and uh, I believe I've got one of her um, products on my bed you know it's genuinely amazing (laughs) Um, you know and that's a a great example of of someone who has worked very hard behind the scenes in order to, um, you know, she's built a business around that and has spent dedicated time doing a terrific job. Um, so she genuinely has influence uh, in, in that space. I'm sure there was a number of Adair's stores that sold out of her range last week. Yeah, no, that's a wonderful example. Like you say, where there are, you know, many um, other examples we could talk about of, yes. uh, you know, celebrities or people who have, come into the spotlight for another reason who have transitioned really well and yeah often it is it is not an overnight success or a coincidence doing a hell of a lot of hard work behind the scenes and even you know I think sometimes influencers can have that um, perception of just swanning around but you outlined before all of the work that goes into um, you know planning content creating content and those of us you know marketers who are responsible for for developing content for our clients and working with them <laughs> like nodding along yeah. going yes it's hard work it is it, it is a real job oh especially the online space it's it is 24 7 it's 24 7 yeah, full on. So could you give us an outline of the process that you would take uh, with a new brand who approaches the Remarkables group about wanting to get started with influencer marketing or expand the influencer marketing program? Absolutely. So the way that we get started is usually a marketing brief in order to identify things like their key objectives and you know some of the key messages that they're trying to relay into the market and and what the audience insight you know those key questions that are applied to any other strategy and then we will create uh, sort of a six or 12 month plan according to what some of those objectives are that helps us identify what style of content what type of influences there's you know various types of influences what um what channels that we'll be focusing on um how we'll measure it and then how we'll uh, you know, determine what success is um, and put that into a plan. That's well before we ever approach any talent. And the reason for that is it it really helps us, you know, it steers us in the right direction, maximises budget, maximises return on energy. (laughs) I'm calling it return on energy so that there's, there's no, there's nothing wasted. That can be frustrating for marketing teams sometimes. Uh, because obviously they're on very strict deadlines. They've got a big mandate they need to achieve for a business. But 
there is benefits in the long term. You know, you might be able to work with a, a much smaller group of influencers but have a, a, a much more intimate relationship with them with um, being able to uh, co-create content that really makes an impact rather than, you know, the opposite of that, you know, rushing around, missing, um, missing opportunities, going with the wrong channel. So, yeah, really establishing that plan first. Uh, and then we go through the entire process of uh, identifying talent um, based on the, you know, the direction that we've set for ourselves. So it's usually a six-step process. It's quite involved. Um, <laughs> you think of it like a funnel. Um, as we go through those steps, uh, people become disqualified, not for any you know, bad reason that's not suitable for this particular program. And at the end of that, uh, we tend to work with quite robust contracts and making sure that everyone's aligned um, and, you know, a, a number of sort of onboarding meetings to, to get started. That's well before content ever goes live, which is usually <laughs> the reverse of um, many programs that you see on the, out there, which will be, you know, what I call the unboxing. Um, let's just grab a mailing list, send it out to a whole bunch of people and hope that a few mention, mention us. Um, so quite involved. But like I said up front, uh, with the, the sheer scale of these channels, we should be treating them just like any other channel we, we're using. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and when it comes to identifying that talent, obviously in your prior incarnation with the Remarkables Group being a talent agency that would have been in some ways a bit easier. What's the process that you go through now to identify talent? Yeah, when we were a talent agent, I mean, I was never on board for that, but uh, we would have had a vested interest. So we would have just worked through, you know, some talent that was probably most most applicable, but not necessarily for the brand benefit. But now the process is to, um, I guess, plot or map out the different influences. So some might be strong in a particular type of um, content or some might be in a particular life stage. Life stage is definitely a big one um, because people were sharing moments that they're going through. It's a great way to, to connect with an audience if we're, you know, identifying someone who's genuinely in need of or, in, you know, using this type of product or service to empower their life um, and identifying those moments and key stages and having all of those conversations. And as we go through that process, things like inclusions, like what are the inclusions that will be involved? What's the timing? Um, Instagram stories is a big one where you know so many people are, are watching that type of content now like literally Absolutely. iTunes like, like, it's a like it's my television show um, apart from British crime of course, um, of course on a nightly basis and um, you know I find it absolutely fascinating I'm very careful with who I follow as well because I genuinely enjoy it um, and many Australians do as well um, and so by the end of that we have a usually a, again a, a smaller selection of people um, that are you know that will think is a, a great fit and um, get them on board yeah, and we'll wow. work with many of our previous I guess competitors you know, in the talent space, so people yeah. that we'd previously uh, been competitors. Interestingly enough, out of the, I think it's 24 to 26 people, 26 people that the Remarkables was representing towards the end there, about, only about 50% of them officially went and got representation like that. Again, I think that it's, it's not redundant because I obviously really, I've got my go-to talent agents who I know who are incredible, incredibly diligent, just like we are, um, who are key partners. Um, but there's plenty of influencers that are very savvy and don't necessarily need that guidance. Um, 
um, and are on top of their businesses because they, they are mini businesses, um, you know, so we're speaking, usually having numerous conversations any, any day um, with various types of, of people um, depending on the briefs that we're working on. It's really fascinating hearing you talk through that process because I think it is one of these areas that, um, you know, those of us who um, see influencer or um, content or sponsored content, it always, you know, seems so effortless and easy and (laughs) there's a hell of a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes to make sure you've got that right strategy and right fit and right timing and right content. You know, it's something that if you tried to slap it together, it would probably look very slapped together and like you say, be forgotten in the blink of an eye as opposed to having those really valuable long-term um, engagement and results. Yeah, absolutely. That's even before we start tackling things like, you know, vetting audiences and uh, <laughs> all that type of thing. So that's a whole nother stage. But uh, yes, a lot, a lot involved. I, I'm grateful to be working with some excellent people, you know, on the marketing side, as, as you would absolutely know, Erica, creating the content for various marketing purposes is very detailed. It's nice to have someone else creating the content. We just kind of get to work alongside them and guide them. <laughs> Yeah, no, how wonderful. Um, so two of the most common questions that I often see coming up about working with influencers, and a lot of this is from, you know, within the marketing circles and particularly within South Australia, there's a lot of smaller brands who are looking to um, get into this because we're not always as, as quick to some of these things as, as you guys are on the East Coast. Uh, but the two big questions are often, you know, how much they should pay an influencer and what kind of return on investment they should be expecting. And I completely understand that these two are a you know long piece of string um but do you have any any advice from an um, industry perspective with what some of the kind of general ballparks or expectations are no there is no guide rail because in other words it's not we don't have a threshold that we provide you know that we publish that gives it gives guidance because if you know if you're a brand say you're an fmcg brand maybe you're a new deodorant or, or something like that and, and, and you're very relevant to mums who work out and if you're going to, you know, really credible uh, couple of mums who have great audience in that space, then what you pay to reach that audience isn't the same as maybe a generalist product that isn't as relevant, so, you know, just like any other planning metric for a channel. But, um, you know, having said that, you do get a, 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 we see a lot of value add, a lot of benefit from those longer term partnerships. Influencers love to work on a product that they love. Um, And if you set up a relationship that's ongoing, you know, quite often when we're delivering, you know, say a final analysis and report, you know, at the end of a six month or a quarterly update, there's so many more value adds that happen because of a partnership as opposed to just, uh, you know, a once off or twice off or, you know, maybe three time mentioned. Does that make sense? So if I, if, if I'm an influencer uh, and I genuinely love the product and I'm, you know, they spend a decent amount of time educating me about it. Maybe I get to visit and meet with some of their team. Um, You know, if I really learn about, the ingredients and where they came from and, you know, that a lot of um, time spent with me educating me about the process or, or, the, or the products, then I, the quality that comes out of that is much higher but also, you know, I will be bursting to tell my audience about it. You know, quite often influencers like to be that maven, that 
first to, to mention and talk about a product. They like being, um, you know, they're trendsetters quite often. So they love to find out about new things. Um, and if they love it, they love to tell their audience about it. So you tend to get much more um, return on investment from an audience perspective because they will click through because it's a genuine recommendation. Um, but two, the influencer loves it. And so, you know, they'll go over and above what's been pre-agreed when it comes to um, the, the, num- you know, the amount of content that they've agreed to produce. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That's, yeah, it's, like I said, really great to have that insight and obviously very difficult to try and measure on that, on that scale. Um, But like you said at the beginning, it, um, it needs to be considered like any other marketing channel. And, you know, even looking at traditional channels, you can't just say how much does it cost to be on TV? Cause it's going to depend on which channel, which time slot, there's all these dependencies. Um, and influencer marketing is exactly the same as opposed to some of these numbers you hear thrown around, you know, like this much per however many followers and, and bits and pieces where, um, whereas no, it needs to be much more tailored, tailored approach and expectations. Definitely a trend that we're seeing now is that, and I think this is really um, useful. Influencers like to be part of something special. I'd like to say, you know, the previous sort of traditional PR event, which is a money can't buy experience, that's not what I'm referring to. But they don't like to go on social and see every other influencer (laughs) doing the same campaign. It, it's it's not a great, if you look at it from their perspective, it's not a great experience. Um, you know, there's a delivery food box that's sort of doing that at the moment. So, you know, they'll find it very hard very quickly to be able to find the type of the level of influences that they need to work with. Um, uh, it'll become harder and harder because influencers want something different and unique. So then it, that lends itself more to the longer term partnerships again, right? Um, and looking for the right, you know, making sure you're looking for the, a great fit as opposed to a, a spray and pray. So, you know, think about that when you're approaching the influencers. Do they want to be part of that subset of people um, and be seen doing the types of things everyone else is doing? You know, could that brief be quite bespoke per influencer so that, um, again, they're, they're creating content that's meaningful to them um, and then they're just copying and pasting your tagline. Um, so, you know, there's a few things there that I think that um, is beneficial. But, we, you, uh, you know, I've just noticed in the last sort of three or four months, you know, maybe because it's it's become such a, a, a large industry, uh, influencers asking who else is on it? They don't want to, they want to know because they don't want to know, they don't want to see themselves in a, a large group of people that are just doing the same thing that's a really great insight thanks so much for sharing that natalie yeah it's (laughs) and probably again kind of separates the the influences from the the general population as well who might be more than you know more than happy to be one of hundreds of people scoring a freebie but don't don't (laughs) wield might might wield a small amount of influence amongst our like (laughs) yeah i posted about my kids and my dog that's about uh, how much influence i had but yeah (laughs) Um, so the Remarkables Group provides influencer marketing training as well. So can you explain what that involves? Look, sometimes uh, getting a uh, full-blown strategy just isn't where a, an organisation's at, <laughs> um, as you would know. There's sort of a few pointers, a few tips as to what can work. You know, we've run, you know, over 500 campaigns, so we've got a, a few things that we've learnt along the way. And so we, we will go into their organisation usually for half a day uh, and just 
take them through some case studies that's relevant to their audience, I mean, relevant to their product, uh, take them through, I guess, our process for approaching talent, um, show them the baseline of a strategy, and that's usually enough for them just to get started to dip their toe in the water. So I think it's always important to offer a training option uh, because, you know, we want to be relevant uh, for small businesses as well and they've got to prioritise um, that marketing budget and, you know, I'll be the first to tell them, um, you know, if they're inquiring about influencer marketing that, you know, making sure that you've got your other marketing uh, hygiene in place first. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of stories where, um, you know, we're working with a, hand, a handbag brand, small handbag brand um, recently, and she's had incredible success just from a, you know, a couple of posts that we helped her with. Um, but, you know, that's not going to be for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's important to get some of those uh, key foundations for marketing down. So training is just a great option, I think. So they can either one, plan their activity ahead of time, you know, before they're ready or understand how it needs to be set up before they start prioritising it. Um, but, yeah, we do, we're doing a training session on average every couple of weeks at the moment. Um, wow. I'm loving it, actually. Yeah, no, and that's really great of you to be able to share, like you said, those case studies and insights and experience because not everybody, unfortunately, is going to be able to, to get a full-blown strategy. The other thing I love that you said there is about having that existing marketing hygiene in place before mm -hmm. jumping on to yes. influencer marketing because I think it is yeah, definitely one of the bright, shiny things at the moment and sometimes we'll um, talk to organisations and clients that are just like, oh, I've heard about this influencer marketing thing <laughs> and you kind of have to go, well, let's take a step back before we get people, you know, jumping onto your website or looking all over your social channels. Let's get a few things in order here, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, e-commerce alone, that's a that's a probably a three break-off projects right there. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those things have got to be in check before you'd want to start thinking about influencer. I have that conversation with, with people all the time. So obviously you'd give all of this advice in your training sessions. But are there a few tips that you could give to people who are looking to DIY or manage their own influencer marketing, whether they be a business owner or a, or a marketer for a smaller organisation? Yeah, absolutely. Similar to what I said before, you know, really looking for that unique opportunity for them. Another way that you might not have thought about using influencer marketing um, and you may not have the budget um, to make it happen is thinking about them as content producers. So, you know, there's, there's a number of them, a large number of them that are terrific at, say, longer form video. And if you go to a, a video production agency um, that specialises in that, they can be quite expensive and, and rightfully so because it's incredibly detailed process and skill to have. Um, scripting, editing, videos, all the different equipment and so forth. But influencers, you know, many of them are set up like that. So if you're looking for great maybe how-to to instructional videos for your website, which are, very, again, very useful, you know, one way to make it work is maybe engage them on that level and so you can still work with them um, and then get to share that content and tap into their audience that way. I, I think that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, or photography, you know, having terrific pr product shots is, is really important. Um, why not brief someone who, you know, they're, they're, they've got influence probably because they're great at imagery um, and taking photos. So why not brief them like that? I, I think that's a, you know, so it, you know, not necessarily working with a whole team of influencers and, you know, reaching the audience size that you might wish you had, but you've got terrific uh, content that you can use 
and making sure that you negotiate that up front that you could potentially use on all of your other social channels or all of your marketing materials or your website. Does that make sense? I think that's yeah. a terrific way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic way because a lot of um, organisations do struggle with just that, you know, general content production. So sometimes from a time perspective, yeah. but also from an inspiration perspective. And yet, just like you said, um, the majority of influencers are just, in, you know, incredible content producers and do have that that aesthetic down. So if you find someone who who suits your organization's branding um, mm. and, and perspective, then that would be a really valuable relationship. Yeah, we're going through a process now with a brand who uh, sort of creating uh, videos with an influencer that they'll use um, on all of their own channels and then radio um, radio ads are recording so that the talent in the video, the, the script writer, the, the producer, you know, so <laughs> once you start being able to uh, add those services and you can tick a number of boxes in that, you know, the hygiene marketing as I call it, then it, that might be a great way for you to start. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's been really, really interesting. Like I said, I, you know, not an area that I work in at all, but have heard little bits and pieces. So really great to be able to hear more about um, the industry in general and, and, and how you um, specifically service it with the Remarkables group. Um, so just to wrap up, a few questions about you, not just chatting about our love of cop shows. What are you learning yourself at the moment? I am learning a lot about animals because of the podcast honestly very insightful so dogs in particular um but as far as and podcast skills as well because that's again very specific very <laughs> it's a very steep learning curve I find oh, podcasting. Very, very. yes so I thought oh I was choosing an audio version so that makes it easier I don't even have to get dressed <laughs> <laughs> nice clothing um but yes that's a very big uh, learning curve. but worth it because I, I just like i have been for some time but it appears the world is obsessed with podcasts yes right now yes they are and yeah not to completely sidetrack our conversation but it does sit um quite well alongside influencer marketing because it's something that's been around for a while you know podcasting's even been around you know you know 10 years or something yes i know uh, but it does in these last two years, it feels like there's been this massive boom in, in interest and particularly within Australia as well, obviously much more prevalent in the US for, for a lot longer in other areas of the world. But yeah, Australia is massive for the podcast at the moment. It is quite insane. And I, uh, I mean, I've listened to podcasts and I go through phases, of course, of what I've listened to. But I, you know, even back in 2010, I was listening to lots of small business and then small business marketing. Um, but now I tend to listen to, I guess, more entertainment style or news style yeah. um, podcast so even that landscape has completely changed but it feels like every time I get on my app there's a new podcast to discover I'm almost podcast out to the max I know it's just yeah so so many options there I get quite overwhelmed always like how am I going to fit all of these in <laughs> um, what's the one skill or area that you would encourage others to develop if they want to be prepared to do their best online look Absolutely, uh, writing, you know, so writing copy. 
wherever possible and it technically I shouldn't be doing a lot of it but it just seems that you know even at my level I still write and write and write um and so you know going hand in hand with that would be reading as well but generally writing communication skills is huge I think people put a lot of focus on learning about the latest social media channels and um you know digital in that space but uh, or, you know maybe even web development because they you know that they think that, and that would be helpful I guess to be able to do some basic html which I, I can but honestly the written word features in my day-to-day on a regular basis I have to pay special attention I'm not a great natural speller um, but it's, it's more than that like being able to tell a story so I would encourage anyone particularly in marketing to go and do you know some terrific copywriting courses um, here in Australia by some wonderful um, professional copywriters mm. like they can be online or in person but how to write it is relevant everywhere in everything I do yeah that's so good and especially even with um like you said these audio and video and and very you know highly visual photographic channels and marketing that we're often exposed to um, we sometimes forget how important that accompanying description or script or plan or strategy yeah. or brief is which that writing is absolutely paramount to yes i think we take it for granted but until you have to go and write something you go oh. <laughs> thanks so much for your time natalie it's been really fascinating uh, to have this conversation with you and i hope i'm well, no, i hope i'm sure the listeners will have gotten a lot out of this as well because uh particularly within a number of the the facebook and marketing groups i'm, I'm a part of there's questions popping up constantly about influencer marketing and so many um, organizations and brands and marketers trying to navigate these these new waters so thanks so much for shedding some light on that my pleasure uh, now, where's the best place for people to find out more about you and the Remarkables group? Oh, look, of course, Twitter. We mentioned earlier. So Natalie Giddings um, on Twitter. You can follow me there, but also our website. So that's just the remarkablesgroup.com.au. Fantastic. We'll include those links in the show notes as well. Um, so thank you so much again. I've really enjoyed this first chat of ours, hopefully first of many. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for listening to the Dobcast. I hope you feel inspired and prepared to do your best online. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend or all your friends on social? You can tag us. We're at Scout Social on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.